0: Hey, hey, and welcome to Roman Through Romans. We are doing the daily run on the Run of the Mills podcast. And my name is Mike Mills, and I am uh, sharing with you from the Book of Romans. We are in Chapter 2. And a um, little, little recap for those of you that are um, have not been with us, or if you have been, a recap's always good. Uh, one of the great things about the Book of Romans is that it's very systematic. And Paul lays out a very systematic um, uh, theology uh, as he goes. And so uh, I want to review that as we go, because I think it's going to be helpful, hopefully to you if you listen to all of these, because it was helpful for me years ago when I first studied the book of Romans in order. Um, as I reviewed every week with uh, with the kids in my youth group, it was very helpful that that I, I saw how the sections broke down. And so I could remember, okay, chapter one, chapter one's the introduction. It's got, you know, Paul's, um, talking about who he is and who he's writing to and his desire to visit them. And then he's got that thesis statement of, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he talks about how, um, Creation testifies that there's a God, that men know inherently that there's a God, but they suppress that truth in unrighteousness. and unrighteousness. Um, and then he talks about those blatant, obvious sinners that we talked about last time. He has that big, long list in verse uh, 29, 30, and 31. And he says, you know, that those people that commit these things, commit these sins, are deserving of death. I mean, that's the wages of sin is death, That that that's what's deserved. And then he says this. Not only those who practice such things, but those who approve of those who practice. And, and this is one of those things that that he, he's pointing out, that there's a lot of people that it's easy to look at them and go, man, those people are blatant, obvious sinners. But there's also those people that think that, you know, they they think they're maybe more cosmopolitan or more um, maybe they believe that they're more open-minded because they say, well, I don't do those things, but you know, if that, if that, I'm not going to judge you, I'm not going to tell you that that's wrong. Um, And there's a difference between judging a person and telling them that something they're doing is wrong. Um, There's, there's a big difference between those two things. And so uh, when he says, you know, those who practice such things, these things are in God's economy are deserving of death. And not only, those who practice them, but those who approve of that. If you put your stamp of approval on these things, hey, it's okay if you do these things, um, you're guilty. And again, this is Paul's point that he's making is all men are guilty. Starts off with the blatant obvious sinners. Then he goes to those who approve of blatant obvious sinners. And then we get to chapter two. And he says, therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you not think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? And so in those first three verses, he's talking about those people that look at the people that are blatant obvious sinners and look at those people who are approving of them and saying, ah, look at you. His his whole point is if, if the very fact that you can tell that somebody's a sinner, the very, the very fact that you can look at, at them and say, that's wrong, that's wrong, you're in trouble. Because you've recognized that there's a right and wrong, and you have not, uh, you might look at them and say, well, they've done these horrible things, but you've done things you knew were wrong. And so the very fact that you can judge right and wrong means that you are also guilty now, what we tend to do is we tend to hold ourselves to a lesser standard. We look at other people, and we don't have an understanding of their life and their motivations, and so it's very easy to judge them based on what we see. We know our own motivations. We know what's gone on in our lives, and we tend to give ourselves a whole lot of slack. And and one of the things he says in here, he says, in verse 3, I read this already for you, but I'll read it again. He says, and do you not think this, O man, you who judge those people, practicing such things and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of god and so he's talking about the hypocrites you know those people that that are pointing out look you're doing wrong and yet they're doing wrong themselves and in hypocrisy is one of those things that is oftentimes brought up people say oh there's the church is full of hypocrites the church is full of hypocrites which may may be true you know there there are a lot of christians that preach one thing and do another thing they they're the word uh Hypocrite comes from uh, hypocrites, which means mask wearer, and it's the idea of putting on a show. Um, you're not what you really claim to be. Um, you, what the outside is not what does not match the inside. But here's the thing about, about hypocrites and about those people that accuse people of being hypocrites. Hypocrites are those who do the opposite of what they say or not practicing what they preach, right? Okay, so if a Christian is a hypocrite, that says something about them, all right? So if I'm a hypocrite, that says something about me. So if I say to you, you shouldn't live this way, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, whatever, and I'm doing wrong as well, you might look at me and go, you're a hypocrite. Now that says something about me, but here's the thing, does that excuse you? The fact that you point out my hypocrisy, does that excuse you? And we do this all the time. Uh, People, my kids do this. Um, I've seen plenty of people do this. When you point out something that they're doing wrong, they'll point out something someone else is doing wrong. And they'll say, well, you did this, or well, you did that. And and they may point out my hypocrisy. They may say, well, you say this and you do that. You know, you do the same thing. Well, does that mean that they're now innocent? No, my my hypocrisy might say something about me, but it doesn't get the guilty party off the hook. You know, the fact that that if if what I say, if if I say something that is biblical and true and yet I don't live according to it, I'm guilty. But if I point out to you that this is biblical and true and you look at me and go, "Well, you don't follow that." That doesn't excuse you from being responsible for what is also True, and you know, and that's kind of the point in reverse of of what Paul's saying here. You know, do you think, oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? You know, you might look at somebody else and say, oh, they're worse than me, but that doesn't get you off. You know, my my favorite example is always if you get pulled over by the police, and the police say, hey, we we clocked you going sixty five and a forty, and you look at him and say, well, I'm not Hitler that's true. You're not Hitler, but it doesn't get you off. You know, just because you didn't do as bad of things, you're still guilty. You might say, well, that guy, you know, why are you pulling me over? I'm only 25 miles per hour, 25 miles per hour over the speed limit. I've seen people going way faster. Well, you're still broke the law. You're still guilty just because you're comparing yourself to others. Doesn't get you off. The righteous standard is not what other people do. The righteous standard is Jesus Christ. So anyway, Paul, again, laying out that everyone is guilty. There's the blatant obvious sinners. There's those who approve of blatant obvious sin that, that try to wipe it out or, uh, you know, what's right for you is right for you. I'm not going to you know, push my morality on you or I'm going to, you know, what you do is cool, whatever. And, and then there's those, again, those that, uh, that are self-righteous. So that's the, this is the the third group of people is the self-righteous. Those who look at themselves and say, well, I'm good. I'm a good person. Um, the very fact that you say that you're a good person means, you know, that there is good and there is evil. And you know, you know, you haven't always done good. Um, you may say, well, I've done more good than evil again. And we know this, this is not how justice works. You, again, you, you're speeding, you're going 25 miles per hour over the speed limit. The police pull you over. They tell you, I pulled you over for going 65 and a 40. And you say, well, the rest of the day I was following the speed limit. I stopped at every other, I stopped at a stop sign. I stopped at a red light that, that doesn't, that doing, following the law, keeping the law in those points doesn't uh, wipe out the laws that you broke. You're not excused because of the good you've done. That's not how, that's not how the legal system works. That's not how. That's not how breaking the law works. If you break the law, following the law doesn't cancel out the laws you've broken. It doesn't work that way in in uh, in the human government. It doesn't work that way in God's economy either. So hopefully, hopefully uh, you're not being a hypocrite, and uh, hopefully at this point you already realize that you're guilty, and you're not going to have to keep being. Uh, Uh, keep being convinced of it. But Paul's going to go on. He's going to talk about some other groups of people that um, excuse themselves from guilt. And again, Paul's whole point, all men are in need need of salvation. And so he's pointing out all the different types of people that uh, have all their different excuses for why they might not need to be saved.